And it is the afternoon. Uh, thank you all for joining us, and hello to you, Dan. What's going on, Buzz? Hey, let's see. What are yes. you doing this weekend, Buzz? Ooh, What's on the Buzz docket? It is Labor Day weekend. It's a three-day weekend, and uh, speak for yourself, Buzz. <laughs> what do you mean? For me, it's a four-day weekend. Oh, that's right. You're taking off Friday. Oh, I know no. you'll miss me, Buzz. I will miss you. Although I have to say, so mm-hmm. listeners are well aware that the morning drive time show is the Bill Newman show, and my colleague in law, my colleague on radio, Bill Newman, actually has been trained by most our uh, our by me. By you and by Monty Belmonte. I'm not going to give you all the credit, Dan. Uh, I think I a... take all the credit, actually, on this well, one. Yeah. It's rare, Buzz, but Maybe I'll Maybe for it. his mistakes, you can take those credit. <laughs> yeah. But Bill does a nice job. There's certain things. Bill doesn't like to do the virtual thing, which is a little more... I, I think he's ready for it. He, uh, he's graduating. Oh, yeah, he's ready for it. You might, but he doesn't. He said, no, please, he's, I don't want guests ready. to Skype when I'm covering No, no, he's, he's, oh, he's ready to take on the challenge. He's seen it. He's feeling you know, confident. I don't want to bore listeners. I probably already have. <laughs> but let me, I'm just going to quote Bill Newman. He said the most interesting thing about being trained on how to work the soundboard, which is a great big thing with a bunch of, a bunch of buttons and <laughs> sliding sort of amplifying devices and things like that. Bill says what's really the most challenging thing is that you train him in a different way than Monty trains him, in a different way than Joan trains him, all to perform the same functions, but you all do it in different ways. Now, how can that be possible? <laughs> you uh, end up uh, doing the board the way it feels most natural to you as an individual. And as long as you get the same outcome, everybody has their own peculiar uh, methods. I'll put it to you that way. I so am it's so exciting. glad you didn't teach my children how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll challenge you on that. Everybody drives a little differently. Yeah, I see the way people drive. Like some people use their right foot on the brake and their left so, foot on the uh, on the yeah, accelerator. Yeah, could be that. They, they could do that. Some people come to a full stop at a four-way sign. Some people do not. No, some that's people called a rolling stop, and that's unlawful. <laughs> a rolling stop some people is... don't don't put their blinkers on and switch lanes. Again, See that happening? Okay, I'm just saying they they get away with it and they do it. I still drive. I happen to have way. read the code of Massachusetts regulations. I know, and when you take your driver's <laughs> test, you have to answer all those questions. <laughs> anyway, we're now totally lost. Whatever listeners we had, they're gone now. No, they're back, but Okay. <laughs> Let me answer your original question. Yeah, it well, is Labor Day weekend, uh-huh. and while you might have a four-day weekend... I do. Most have a three-day weekend, like, for example, our son and daughter-in-law, and they're 13-year-old and 15-month-old. They are coming up to Ashfield, um, so we're going to get to play for three days with... With our visiting uh, son and his family, which is the oh, best. Oh, look at you. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. It is very exciting. So Very nice. They're coming in for all three days? They're coming or? in, yeah. Okay. And so that uh, it's great. We're going to do a lot of playing and swimming. And where, where are you excited to take them? Oh, we're staying right there in the homestead. Okay. Oh, we're playing games. No special, play, no special plans to take yeah, them anywhere. It's, you know, it's... Uh, if you get bored, there's a 15-month-old to play with who's yeah. full of squealing delight at the yeah. most innocuous of things. You could okay. look at a button on your shirt and be entertained <laughs> for half an hour. 
Um, there's a 13-year-old. She loves to play games like categories and boggle, and she loves to go up. My wife, Marcine, has a... And, and you pretend to let her win. No, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I beat the crap out of them. <laughs> it's time to grow up. Uh, well, this 13, is an unforgiving world. You're, you're an adult. 13, <laughs> Jewish tradition, we have bat mitzvahs at 13. You're uh, now an adult. An adult. <laughs> so, you know, like, the way to go, lie boss. down and let me beat you on the back like everybody else. Does. There you go. That sounds fun. No, it is going to be fun. It's great. And we love it. So the thing about Labor Day, Labor Day is so interesting. You... Actually, you once mentioned to me about um, about May that Labor Day for the rest of the globe is May Day, and that there's some confusion. May first, yes. Yeah, May first. Why? Why in the United States do we not use May first as a Labor Day? Well, I have a, a theory, which I've never confirmed. Okay, go ahead. The answer is America during the Cold War did not want to celebrate a day that had been connected to workers and the labor movement and that was connected back to the Soviet Union. That's a pretty good theory. And there's truth to that. What we did is we've created Law Day as sort of the uh, response to uh, the former Soviet Union's May Day. Um, and Law Day is the day that we celebrate in, in September to celebrate the ratification of the U.S. Constitution and in every courthouse in the country, there are celebratory things that most non-lawyers don't indulge in, but people in the justice community uh, think of highly as a response to May Day. But May 1st was an ancient European folk holiday known as May Day. Remember the Maypole? I don't, Buzz. No, I'm sorry. I, I, you I weren't there in that. ancient Europe. Uh, yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah, sure. I yeah, read that right. somewhere in the books. But no. But what? So what happened is in uh, in it was on September 5th of 1882 that 10,000 citizens marched for labor rights um, down the streets of Manhattan. Um, at that time, they were protesting because the average American, the average American, worked twelve hours a day, six days a week. There were no labor protections in existence, and so what they. Year? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed the year. Oh the, no, the year was 1882, okay. September 5th. So what happened is, for the ensuing decades, there was a struggle to actually. Um, regulate the amount of hours that people could be forced to work. The most famous we have talked about on the air when we were talking about Roe versus Wade and the right to privacy, the first time privacy was mentioned in U.S. jurisprudence was in a case, I think it was 1906, but it was a case involving bakers in New York. Mm. Um, and uh, New York, in order to protect these bakers who came in at 3 o'clock in the morning, they worked in basements that were unventilated. Mm. Flour was in the air, floating through the air. They were getting sure. terrible cancers and things like that. So New York board created a board of health to regulate it. Wasn't Theodore Roosevelt involved in that? I don't think this was state law. U.S. Supreme Court became involved in it because what happened is yeah. there was a lawsuit by the bakeries challenging the right of the New York City Board of Health to regulate their own b private businesses in a capitalist society. The United States Supreme Court said, 
Yes, this is a private contractual relationship between the bakers, the, the workers and the bakeries, and the government has no right to intervene. But in doing so, they acknowledge that there is a right to privacy that government can invade. That's how we usually remember this. Mm. But anyway, what happens is that was part of the period um, between this 1882, September 5th, March, calling for workers' rights, and what's called the Abramson, the Abramson Act, which was passed on September 3rd of 1916. And as a result, the modern eight-day work week, five-day work week, was codified in the law as, uh, uh, with some exceptions, you weren't able to force, compel workers to work more than five days a week, eight hours a day. That's the modern work week, and that's when it happened. Because of that, the first Monday in September was deemed to be Labor Day, and we've been celebrating it uh, in the 106 years since then, um, the hundred and almost 45 years since the original uh, parades in Manhattan. Was that interesting <laughs> at all? I learned something. What did you learn? I, I learned that uh, the struggle for labor rights started a very, very long time ago. <laughs> I think that is and, the takeaway, isn't it? Yeah, that is the big takeaway, huh? In 1882, they were marching for it. so, And uh, it took decades afterwards to finally get it. Well, we're still not there, are we? Well, yeah. I guess it changes on the demands, I guess, for labor. You know, it's very interesting how the pandemic changes all of that, right? Now you get to not necessarily go into work for some workers, but you get to do your work at home. But now there's a split in the labor market because some people's jobs still require them to be physically at work to do it, right? And it's now that there's a huge gap in that. And, and also, if you happen to be a lower wage earning employee and you don't have good internet connection at home, kind of limits what you're able to do at home, especially if you have kids or going to school plus using Wi-Fi, if, if they're still doing um, homeschooling and things like that. So it's interesting how the society is beginning to sort of fracture between those, those who can do work at home, you know, what we've called white collar yeah. kind of work versus the blue collar laborers who actually have to physically go to a location to actually physically make something oftentimes with their hands. Yeah, it, it's really true. Though. And we, we used to say the ones who shower after work and the ones who shower before they go to work. work. Right? <laughs> but, I mean, I think you're right. It's one of the, you know, both on the state level and on the federal level, the federal level, the infrastructure bill tried to remedy exactly that, right? I mean, to uh, make it so over the next, I think it's over the next seven years, every rural community is going to have a cyber infrastructure, broadband infrastructure um, that now doesn't, it's one way to contest intergenerational poverty, uh, to ensure that communities of color and and poor communities that are uh, uh, equipped with the broadband necessary for people to participate in the labor market without mm. going in. But there's still the manufacturing side that you're talking about, yeah. which is making it's this stuff that we need to be able to have broadband, right? Yeah, is, absolutely. Yeah, the hardware and software. You know, um, the the hometown that you live in, um, in Ashfield, do you have a, 
a municipally owned broadband? Yes, great question, and the answer is yes. We, for those who don't know, uh, I think it was about a decade ago that the legislature, in order to find a mechanism by which companies, I mean, uh, communities can get broadband that otherwise couldn't afford it, communities like Asheville, I mean, we have 356 cities and towns in Asheville, in Massachusetts, <laughs> and um, I think the number that are under 40,000 in population or mm. under 20,000 in population is over th well over 300. Wow. So you have a town like Ashfield, which has 1,800 people, to cable, in our case, 43.2 square miles, something like that, to cable it, linear cable running, right. it costs a fortune. So how can you get, we have 760 households, that's taxpayers, property taxes. How do you get 760 households to pay for this enormous thing? And in our case, what we did is we borrowed, we authorized borrowing 2.3 million. Fortunately, the state, um, and Baker signed it, on a rotating basis, towns are getting broadband by getting cabling done, and then they have to vote to approve it. Mm. The cheapest thing to do is to create a municipal light company, mm -hmm. like as in power, utilities, electric, yep. that kind of thing. And then um, they, they can borrow, it can borrow money. Mm -hmm. And with subscriber fees, we pay about $82 a month or something like that. And that mm -hmm. gives us our, um, some of our phone, it gives us our broadband for internet kind of stuff. Um, mm. And, you know, that, that what we're going to do is pay off in a fairly short amount of time that amount of money. But the state gave us over $900,000 in that big infrastructure bill that the state did. So almost a million of the $2.3 million was exactly. paid by the state. Exactly, and the federal, uh, the federal um, infrastructure is going to reduce it even further. So wow. we're going to be able to accelerate payment. Plus, more people are signing up than was anticipated, Ooh. which makes it cheaper for each individual subscriber. So. Right. Somehow, oh miraculously, we're doing it as our, I mean, little towns like Goshen, yeah. which have half the population we do, yeah. they're doing it as well. Wow. Super high speed. Um, well, that wasted a perfect 20 minutes of your life, Dan, that you'll never uh, you be able what, to get back. You know what, Buzz? I learned a lot from you today. Well, there you go. I learned a lot from you every day, except how to work that darn board that you're pushing buttons on, so... I'm pushing I don't want, your buttons, Buzz. Yeah, Let's so Bill right. Newman will be pushing my buttons on Friday as if he doesn't every day of the week. But we're going to take a break and be back right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Yet what force on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? But the union makes us strong. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. People like pink ladies. Macintosh and McCowns are popular. Red Delicious is the old standby. Gala, the new darling. 
Some people swear by Honeycrisp. And who doesn't love Granny Smith? Appling at River Valley Co-op, all the greatest hits. Plus heirlooms like Carrie's Irish Pippin and Belle de Boscou. With 50 varieties of apples, you never know. There's an heirloom called Sops of Wine? Really? Hooray, hooray, an apple a day. River Valley Co-op, wild about local apples. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the Afternoon Buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSP Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSP Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Monitoring your credit score and report is an important tool in protecting your finances and can help you identify errors and prevent fraud. Our GSB Credit Center is just one of the great benefits that comes free with both our free online banking and our free mobile app. And with the GSB mobile app, you can check your score and access your credit report free anytime and from anywhere using your mobile device. And checking your credit report at the GSB Credit Center will not affect your credit score. Sign up today at any of our offices or online. Greenfield Savings Bank. Greenfieldsavings.com. Member FDIC. Member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply. Hello, I'm Hampshire County Sheriff Patrick Haling, and I'm a Democratic candidate for sheriff focused on progressive community-based programming. I'm running for re-election this year. I've been your sheriff for six years, and I love the work I do because I help people to be productive members of the community. Please remember to vote for me on September 6th. Learn more by visiting our Facebook page or website, klaneforsheriff.com. Thank you. Paid for by the committee to elect Patrick J.K. Haling. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. So we are back. Um, it is primary season. So, Dan. Yes. Who's going to be covering for WHMP? Who's going to be covering primary night? Oh. Oh. Um, so I will be on at 8 p.m. with Bill Newman. Uh, Sarah, Stefan, the whole WHMP team. Not the whole team. Not the whole team. Some of us, uh, like yourself, I guess are going to end up counting votes. I will be counting ballots in Ashfield like I have for about 40 years. Look at um, you. As long as I'm not on the ballot, I can count. There you go. And so I've actually you're, you're committed to de local democracy, aren't you, Buzz? Hey, all politics are local. Uh, okay. And um, You yeah, sure they're not I, national I love now? we have... People get a pencil and a little private booth, and they get their ballot, and they. Oh, check you don't off. have you don't have the Scantron machines. Then? Heck no, we. I mean, listen, I'll be the last person to defame Dominion, because I know the consequences <laughs> can be billions. But, um, uh, <laughs> go Dominion. <laughs> but uh -huh. I love, I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm joking about it. We get a ballot that's folded up, and on yeah. the front is just sort of the. A front page, and then you open it up, and there they are, and you write your X's next to the names that you want, fold it up again, 
when you first come in, you, there's somebody to check in, one of our long-time checkers who always checked in, Nancy Garvin, uh, the local historian, passed away this year. So that's going to be a loss because she would always, um, if you were A through uh, J or L, uh, and your last name, like Eisenberg is, she would check off us and then somebody else gets mm -hmm. L to Z, checks you off, you then walk in, somebody hands you a ballot, mm -hmm. and you go over, you make your marks in a little private wooden booth, and then with a pencil, and then you go over, usually a Duncan Coulter, who sits there in a box that's about 150 years old, a very beautiful <laughs> brass and uh, deep, rich wood box, turns the crank, and it dings, and on the front, one more number shows. That was 186. The next voter does his. It's 187. Now, you must hold it and put it in the slot before he cranks it, and then the constable checks that it at went the through. end and makes sure that, number one, the same number of ballots that were in the box equal the number of people who came in and the number of people who checked out. Mm -hmm. So it is really foolproof. It's impossible to have fraud. If those numbers don't match, That's our town, clerk, town clerks make us recount because we won't go forward until the numbers all match. Okay. So we know that the number of people who walked in yep. equals the number of ballots that we have equals the number of people who left. Mm. Foolproof. When you count the ballots, is there a second individual just yes. recounting the number of ballots you've counted? Yes. And, it, and Marcin, my wife, and I have been doing this for years and they don't team us up. They break us up. So because we're veterans, I'll be, um, I was just told by the town clerk yesterday who I was going to be working with, um, a new person who's never done it before, which is great. We like fresh blood <laughs> in local town government. <laughs> it almost sounds like a sacrifice there, but <laughs> we like fresh blood. It's delicious. So, and you guys are going to be doing what? Um, when you, you said Bill Dwight, yeah, Bill so Newman, lots of bills. Lots of bills, Sarah, the team. What we're going to try to give uh, local coverage. I mean, there's some interesting races, even though it's primary night here on September 6th and will be on, on November 8th, election night. But we want to talk about some of the local races, not necessarily just local. I mean, there is the sheriff, mm -hmm. but also, you know, there's stuff going statewide. There's lieutenant governor, governor, and other uh, cases like that. We want to see um, what's happening, um, you know, throughout the state and, of course, on election night. We want to talk about the results that happened because while politics might be local, but the national politics definitely has an impact on the politics you locally. Think? Yeah, I think more than ever. So. I think. Well, so what ha tomorrow will be our final. Um, folks have been able to um, meet um, all three of the contestants for uh, the Democratic nomination for lieutenant governor and all three. Um, for Attorney General. Tomorrow will be the last of those. Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll will be on Afternoon Buzz at the 4 o'clock segment. She seeks the Democratic nomination for Lieutenant Governor. This will be her second appearance on Afternoon Buzz. And so uh, we'll have a frank conversation with Kim Driscoll. Um, some say that she is, the polls indicate that she might be the front runner right now between her and Senator Eric Lesser of uh, Longmeadow. And, uh, and I can only add that... Representative Tammy uh, Govea, who we had on yesterday. I can only add that the uh, lieutenant governor's race has been quite contentious for a lieutenant governor race, which is normally the sleepy one, but not this year. And we will get to all of that and talk about that tomorrow 
with um, Kim Driscoll. And then then you and I will have a little chitty chat about um, once we've we've honestly vetted all of the candidates here, then uh, before we take that Labor Day weekend break and before Tuesday's primary day, you and I can talk about our perceptions. Oh, yes. There we go. Meanwhile, today, uh, we ha- it's an interesting playbill with Jackie Walsh. Right after the break, she's going to be interviewing Kimberly Carlin, the director of Amherst Leisure's Winter Play, The Little Mermaid. We're going to be talking with Jackie and Kimberly right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. The Afternoon Buzz is brought to you by Lundgren, family run since 1964. Greenfield's largest automotive group is the place to buy your next Honda, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, or Ram. Experience it in Greenfield. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Massachusetts is one of 13 states in the country where you might have to pay taxes on student loan forgiveness. But Governor Charlie Baker says it's not set in stone. The reason why you might be taxed by the state on this is that when you have debt forgiven, it can count as income. Last week, President Biden announced student loan borrowers can have $10,000 in federal student loans forgiven or $20,000 if they're a Pell Grant recipient. An employee of the VA Medical Center in Leeds is facing serious charges. 51-year-old Kevin Duvall of Royalston has now been indicted on child pornography charges by a federal grand jury. Prosecutors allege that Duvall, who works at the medical center, owned and used a device on the center's public Wi-Fi to distribute child pornography. During a search of his home on August 4th, authorities found that Duvall allegedly possessed child pornography. Duvall was arrested that same day. The Southampton Council on Aging is receiving funding that will be used to expand services for local seniors. Senator John Velas made the announcement that $50,000 in ARPA funding will go to the council. This $50,000 funding was included in the state's ARPA legislation that was passed by Governor Baker in December of last year. And Holyoke Community College will be looking for a new leader. President Christina Royal announced she will retire after the coming academic year. Royal has led the college for the past five years. Warm and humid mixture of sun and clouds, slight chance of an afternoon shower today, a high of 88 to 92. Showers and thunderstorms are likely later this evening and overnight, a low of 64 to 70. Lingering shower possible early tomorrow morning, otherwise becoming mostly sunny, a high of 82 to 86, dry in upper 70s on Thursday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. When a nominee for a federal judgeship from the president goes to the Senate, it's a big deal. The same thing happens here in Massachusetts, except the nomination goes from the governor to the governor's council. On our next show, we'll be speaking with the candidates for the 8th District, that's Western Massachusetts, Democratic nomination for governor's council. Sean Allen, Jeff Morneau, Mike Fenn, and Tara Jacobs will be our guests. Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Are you an immigrant worried about your future? Do you want to change your life? At Center for New Americans, you can take English classes for free. They help immigrants with jobs, licenses, healthcare, as well as immigration and citizenship. CNA helps you create a better future. CNA is like family you can trust. 
that gives you hope and confidence that there is always support for various situations. The health dreams come true. Do you want to be a part of Center for New Americans? Visit our website at cnam.org. Call 413-587-0084. Center for New Americans, with offices in Amherst, Northampton, and Greenfield. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And it is time for Playbill with Jackie Walsh. What's happening in the performing arts in the Valley in Hilltown? So. Well, yeah, a lot. So uh, I'll just start off saying how heartbroken I am that a little night music is over. You saw that show as well. I loved that show. Interestingly, yesterday uh, Jenny was here. As a guest, she was talking about what she's been watching streaming. She's Megan Zinn's guest. Uh-huh. And she's, she loved Sondheim and didn't like that performance. I was like, there's no accounting for taste because I loved that performance. Oh, my gosh. I thought I tried to invite like the entire world to it, and no one would go with me. So no, I packed. didn't get to go again. When we went, there was not, yeah. a, not a ticket to be sold. Yeah. So. so that, unfortunately, is gone. But Barrington Stage has other things up its sleeve, waiting for Godot classic American play, considered one of the best dramas of the 20th century. That's running from now through August 9th. It's got some black humor in it and some poetry. Directed by Julianne Boyd, who's the artistic director. This is sort of the end of her long career there. 28-year career, and she's leaving, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they have All of Me from September 21st through October 8th, again at Barrington Stage. The description online says, Boy Meets Girl, Boy uses wheelchair, girl uses scooter. They use text-to-speech technology to connect. It's supposed to be hilarious, candid portrayal of disability in class. So that that was high on my list of plays I want to see. I just am so interested in how they stage it. I love the title, All of Me. I always loved the song, All of Me. Uh Yeah. I have a husband who does not like to go to theater, but he's a disability historian, so I'm... Hoping to get him to this one. Uh, if not, it's <laughs> grounds for divorce. I, know, I think so. All right. And then uh, Shakespeare and Company in Lenox still has a few shows going on. A Walk in the Woods. I hear it's very good. That's through September 4th, which is like a week away. It's about two superpower arms negotiators, a Russian and an American who meet in a forest outside Geneva. And over the seasons, they develop a friendship. Um, they also have Measure for Measure, Shakespeare, running through September 18th about a tyrant and his twisted desire for a nun. Um, what else is going on? Berkshire Theater Group has Edward Albee's Seascape starting September 29th. That theater is in Stockbridge. It is about a middle-aged couple who meet two lizards on the beach as the lizards are coming out of the ocean depths in order to live out of the water. Sounds very bizarre, but it won the Pulitzer. It's supposed to be a great play. Wow. Also, Rosie Kane in Greenfield, who I just love, is writing a performance piece with songs on the story of Margaret Mayer, uh, uh, and I may be mispronouncing that, a maid in Emily Dickinson's household. That will be coming up well, later I read this about fall. That. Yeah, 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 it was in the Gazette. And VLO is starting rehearsals for Die Flader Moss. I'm sure I'm missing. Valley Light Opera. Uh-huh. Valley Light. Did I say? Valley, Valley Light Opera, right. 
And they need more coral people. They also need covers, a new term I hadn't heard, which means understudies, but it's the opera term for understudies. So if you want to try out for any of that, if you're a good singer, 5.30, September 7th at Wesley United Methodist You could go undercover. Yes, you could, which (laughs) I would have to because my voice is so bad. (laughs) Mine too. Um, So, But today we have Kim Carlin. She is the artistic director for what's now called Amherst Community Theater, their production of The Little Mermaid, which happens in January. She's also the co-founder of Ghostlight Theater at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke. Um, She's in her 21st degree of teaching and currently is a math teacher and drama director at the Academy of Charlemont in the past, I don't know, five or ten years, she's directed The Secret Garden, Shrek, Mary Poppins, Sweeney Todd, and more. So welcome, Kim Carlin. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> so happy you're here. So we're going to go down a sidetrack that I just okay. really want to do with Kim because she's great. So I was in Mary Poppins with her, and she, deep in rehearsal, she started telling us about the origin of certain theater words that we just sort of take for granted, like break a leg. And she had these great, great stories. So I would love it if you would give us some examples of theater lingo and how they came to be. Sure, sure. I, you know, I, all theater folk tend to have a little bit of superstition involved because just sort of the way we are. Um, and so I've latched onto these terms and their origins because it's just fascinating and it really informs how I see theater. So one of my favorite ones is the show must go on. Mm-hmm. And I find it to be pretty poignant right now because so much theater is opening up again after what was a terrible lockdown moment for the world of theater. And this, that phrase, it comes from the circus tradition, mm-hmm. where you might, you know, if you envision a, a circus, think of all the different types of animals and trapeze and sort of a little bit dangerous performance. Mm-hmm. And the idea of the show must go on is that if something goes wrong, you don't want your audience to sort of get a sense that, oh, no, something is bad, I should run. Uh-oh. I should, you know, fight or flight. You know, you don't want your audience to feel unsafe. So it's, it's about safety mm-hmm. for the audience, this idea of the show must go on. And I sort of see us performers and creators of theater as people who it's our job to sort of tell our communities that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I'm so excited about directing The Little Mermaid is because Amherst Community Theater had to postpone this show a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So it really is a the show must go on moment for me. And it's Mm -hmm. a way of sort of telling our community, it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. We've got (laughs) you. Right, right, right. Oh, that's so cool. So what about break a leg? I've heard different stories about that. Yeah, yeah. You might hear people telling um, their friends as they're about to go on stage, break a leg. And some people think it's because they want, you know, they're like, it's, it's, you know, it's reverse psychology. We're telling them to break a leg so they don't break a leg. Well, that's <laughs> not what it is. Um, people who are really well-versed in theater often think that it has to do with just entering the stage. Like when you, the, there are curtains that are sort of on the sides of the wings of a theater. Those are called legs. Mm-hmm. And some people say break a leg means you're passing through the leg to go on stage. Mm. But that's not it either. Actually, mm. the real 
reason people say break a leg is because actors used to be paid by the audience at the end of their performance. So the audience, if they liked your performance, would throw money on the stage. And you'd have to physically bend over and break Uh the line of your leg to get paid. Uh (laughs) So break a leg means I hope that your performance is so good that you get paid. (laughs) If they didn't like your performance, though, they would throw rotten vegetables and fruit at you. So that was really <laughs> a thing. going to the theater and bringing some money and some rotten fruit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hopefully not cantaloupes. You could kill someone yeah. with one. <laughs> um, I See, I thought break a leg. I don't know where I got this. I probably dreamt it or made it up, but that there are like four legs to the stage and that if the audience were clapping really loud, somehow one of the legs would break. <laughs> Did I make that up? You, well, it's it's a it's a valid guess. Because I don't know. I Were you sober when you thought of that, Jackie? <laughs> I can't remember. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe yes. Um, I mean, certainly, I would like to get paid if I were performing. So yeah, I know. But the next time I'm going to give a uh, you know slip a dollar to a street musician, I'm not going to drop it on the ground and say break <laughs> a leg. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that would be safe these days to say. That would not be nice. So how about, I remember you telling us the story. It was like me and 25 little kids. Mm -hmm. And I think I liked it more than anyone else. Um, Green Room. Oh. Well, the Green Room is usually the place where the performers hang out between shows or right just before they go on stage. And um, there was a time where people believed if they had as much contact with plant life, well, and I don't think this is entirely untrue, um, the oxygen that you can get from the plant life surrounding you can really give you a good start to your performance. Like it's sort of like I might drink coffee now, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so the green room was literally that, almost like a greenhouse full of like proliferous, just lots of growing plants. Yes. Yeah. Wow. wow. I like it. Now, I feel like there is one story you told us about the origin of theater terms that involved carriages and horses. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. The, <laughs> it's similar to the idea of break a leg. Um, it's most often used in dance performances where people will, instead of saying break a leg, they'll say mared which is a French word for... Yeah, we know. (laughs) Um, But basically what it meant was so many people came to your performance that there were so many carriages driving in the road, there was a lot of horse manure in the road. And so (laughs) it's another way of saying we hope that your performance is so successful that you have lots of people attending. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you, I should have been taking notes. This is great. (laughs) We are we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about Little Mermaid, which is just so wonderful. But in the meantime, um, the mare must go on. Um, what, what do we say? Break a plant. I'm all confused. We'll be back in a minute again with Kim and Jackie. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. 
we need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to, you know, elicit fear and power and control uh, by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Dinner tonight starts with a tap. Tap the local hero guide on the CISA website and find farm fresh food close to where you are. There are so many farms and farm stands just minutes away. Look for the bright yellow Local Hero label in stores and restaurants. Local Hero Food, the beauty and the bounty of our fertile River Valley farmlands on your dinner table tonight. The Local Hero Guide is at the CISA website, buylocalfood.org. Lundgren Honda. Experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no-hassle negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle. Rob Avery from Lundgren Honda. We're all looking to get the most for our money when it comes to buying gas. How is your gas mileage doing? Is it as good as when you first got your vehicle? Let Lundgren Honda help. We will have one of our technicians perform an express oil change service. It will change your oil and filter and fill the engine with the correct oil. Check and set the tire pressures to the proper specs and make sure that your air filter is clean. All of these make a big difference when it comes to gas mileage. Call, stop by, or make an appointment online and mention this ad for 10% off. Consumer Satisfaction Award winners two years running. Lundgren Honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience. See the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 Federal Street and LundgrenHondaOfGreenfield.com. Lundgren Honda of Greenfield. Experience it. Need a ride to the doctor? Tech support? Pictures hung? Looking to connect with others in the community? At Northampton Neighbors, our goal is to help seniors live independent, fulfilling lives by providing connection and support along the way. We are free of charge and offer a range of social and volunteer opportunities, as well as services for members 55 and older in Northampton, Florence, and Leeds. Membership in Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. It's about engaging in place. This place, the city of Northampton, we welcome one and all to join, volunteer, or donate to Northampton Neighbors. Together, we can create the community we all want to live in, now and in the future. Find us at NorthamptonNeighbors.org or by calling 413-341-0160. Thank you. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP. And Jackie Walsh's playbill involves Kim uh, Carlin, the uh, artistic director of Amherst Community, Community Theater, and their production is Little Mermaid this winter. I love Little Mermaid. Right, and so auditions are very soon, right, Kim? Yeah, they're on September 9th, 10th, and 11th, and callbacks are on um, September 12th. And I know you have... There's still uh, People can sign up if they're interested. Yeah, and you, uh, if you go to the Amherst, what is it called? Amherstacts.org. Okay. And that will give you some examples of um, music that you can learn to sing or, or try to learn to sing in my <laughs> exactly. case. Exactly, yeah. There, yeah. There is access to shortened PDF files of exactly what we would suggest you sing when you come to the audition. There's lots of choices from all the different parts, doesn't matter which one you pick, 
you know, it could be something that you just enjoy singing. Yes. I always encourage people to come to the audition and have fun. Right. It but is fun. fun. You get to sing. I, I've, I've been at auditions where someone forgets the words and everyone waiting to audition starts singing the song, helping them out. <laughs> it's very friendly. Yeah, yeah, because we're all we're all there for the same reason. Well, is it a casting? Uh, is there a casting person, or is it the director that, that does the casting? There's a there's an audition panel, which involves myself as the director, but the music director, the choreographer, and then there are some other people in the room, like the producers and the stage manager, who are sort of there to help the process stay you know fair for everybody. But it's really the the production or the creative team which is the music director, the choreographer, and the artistic director. So what, what skills are you looking for for people who might be interested in auditioning? Well, I'm looking, we're, we're really looking for people who can sing and can move their body. You don't have to be the best dancer that ever lived. But, you know, a little coordination is good. And a willingness to take risks and to try different things and to be goofy. There's a lot of goofiness in this show. And sort of just a willingness to try something new and different because... That's what theater is, really, right. <laughs> is, you know, sort of making decisions in the moment with other people around you, connecting with people who are on stage, but connecting with people who are in the audience. So can you do all of those things, which, you know, with the audition, the way it's designed, it, if you just, you know, sort of follow with what we ask, ask of you at the auditions, we'll be able to see if you can do those things. And how many actors are you looking for? And are they gender specific roles? So we're looking for between 55 and 65 people. Wow. So it's a pretty big cast. It's, you know, one of the larger casts I work, I work with in my directing world. And, there, you know, there isn't anything really gender-specific. We're, you know, we, we just want people to be able to sing the parts that exist, but we're not against, you know, we, we're, we're actually hoping to not cast exactly as, the script, you know, sort of people have seen the, the Disney's cartoon version of The Little Mermaid. I don't want people to think that we're trying to recreate that. And that's a cartoon. <laughs> you know, I want our community to be represented on stage. So there isn't any sort of requirement, gender requirement or body type requirement or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So what what do you find people get out of being in a show like this? I mean, I did Mary Poppins with you. It was just fun night after night after night so is that it just people have fun or is there more to it i think well for sure the fun piece is why people do it but you know the part that i love the most about community theater is it's like it's the ultimate equalizer because you'll have adults and teens and young people all on stage at the same time and they all have to learn their dance or their song together and it's so empowering for a young person to be sitting next to an adult who's trying to learn the song and they need help from the young person. That's most of the time what I see. <laughs> you know, the, the adult will say, I don't understand that dance. And then I'll see a child go help them. And just it's so empowering and it's even more than heartwarming. It's just it, it, it makes you feel good about being able to connect people in the community. You know, if you notice or think about it, children are at school with just their age group. They don't get to sort of learn at the same time alongside 
adults and teens. And it's just a, a cool way to make everyone feel like they have a place. Right. That makes sense. So um, we're speaking to Kim Carlin, Artistic Director for Amherst Community Theater's production of The Little Mermaid. <clears throat> Kim has directed all sorts of different people. She used to work at a Connecticut all-girls school. She works now at the Academy at Charlemont with boys and girls. Directed all ages of people at Amherst Leisure. She has her own group. She um, directs and produces Ghost Light Theater in um, Holyoke. So what are the differences in directing all those different groups of people? Well, I would say less about the the type of people and more about the size is what mm-hmm. where the where the different li- difference lies. Yes. You know, when I taught at an all-girls school in Connecticut, I had I entered into their program where they had decided that they were only going to cast the girls in the girls' roles in their shows. And they would sort of tap parents and teachers to cover the male roles. But I looked at the scripts that I had to choose from, and I saw that many of the, the really exciting parts were for men. Oh, yeah. And I said, you know what? Let's throw that tradition out the window. Yeah. I'm going to cast only students, all girls. Mm-hmm as every part. And what that did is it created this sort of sense of, I get to be whatever I can be. Mm -hmm. I don't have to try to be something the script is telling me I have to be. I can take on the part for myself and show my interpretation. Mm -hmm. And really, that's what theater is about, is looking at a creation on a page and bringing it to life. Mm. And you know, with a larger group of people, there's a need for more organization and more planning ahead. When you have a smaller group, like when I direct at the academy, it's usually a smaller group of students comparatively, um, but still, you know, a good chunk of students. We can play a little bit. We can try different things because we have more flexibility with a smaller group of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, it, it reminds me of how casting has changed as far as race goes, not just gender, but race, you know, in mm-hmm. Broadway, uh, Western Mass. And um, I so clearly remember a friend of mine in theater like 10 years ago saying, yeah, you can cast someone who's not the expected race, but you better explain to the audience why, like why the only child in the fi- one child in a family with five kids is black. Why? But now I think we've gotten away from that. Like, we don't have to explain why. And it's so, I think it's great that now there's so many more roles for non-white people, as there should be. So do you have anything to say on that front? I completely agree with you. I recently saw a performance of The Music Man at the Goodspeed Opera House in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And they did, you know, they did not have any sort of limitations with regard to any sort of ethnicity or race. And I didn't even think a thing of it as an audience member watching. didn't even cross my mind. It's sort of now just a given norm, and I love it. Yes. And I sort of crave it. And when I actually noticed the other way. Mm-hmm. Jackie, we, we only have one minute, but, but Jackie uh, had on, I think a couple of weeks ago from Shakespeare and Company, two African-American actors, um, one of them from, who's been an actor for a very long time, they were in a play called Him uh, that Shakespeare and Company was doing. And Jackie, you asked um, them about P. 
people of color getting roles. And very interesting response from a guy who'd been acting for about 40 years. What he said was, for actors, we're getting pretty close to fair, but in terms of administration, directors, and things like that, we got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that rings true in my mind as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So um, tell us, what do you want to talk about? Anything else? Well, no. I think we're out oh, of time. We're out of time. I'm we sorry. We are out of time. Unfortunately, we are talking to uh, Kim Carlin. I'm sorry, Kim, I have to uh, watch the time. Yeah. Uh, no she problem. is the artistic no director. Having a great time. Of Amherst, we are too. Amherst Community, Community Theater's winter play, uh, The Little Mermaid. They are uh, right now auditioning. And tell us again what dates people could come. September 9th, 10th, and 11th are the auditions. You can sign up to audition at amherstacts.org, and we'll have callbacks on the 12th. It sounds like it's going to be a blast. It's going to be fulfilling. Thank you, Jackie Walsh, as always. Thank you, Kim, for joining you, us. Kim. My pleasure. Uh, break a leg and stay away from horse poop. <laughs> Everybody else, we'll see you tomorrow on the Afternoon Buzz. Bye-bye. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. This is the Afternoon you Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. Help a local baby stay fresh. One in three local families sometimes have to choose between diapers and feeding their kids. Let's wipe out diaper need in our communities. Donate diapers and wipes or cash through August 31st during the United Way Diaper Drive. Drop off new or clean opened packages of diapers or pull-ups at locations across Franklin and Hampshire counties. Find out how and where to donate at uw-fh.org forward slash diaper drive. How long and how hard would you work to own your own home? At Pioneer Live and Valley local Habitat news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station.